Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Sandy Tetweiler, and I will be reading from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the Spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourself. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, Watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sandy, thank you for reading the scripture today. Appreciate you doing that very much. It was a long passage, so way to go. Thank you for helping out. Appreciate that. So we're walking through the book of Philippians uh, in this series that we started a couple weeks ago, Words into Actions. The book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Christians in the church in Philippi. And so there's important instruction in there that helps us to understand uh, some, a phrase, a sentence that we use a lot. It kind of is, is the sentence that was uh, adopted by this church several years ago that said, we believe this is who we are and what we're about, and that is that we seek to be a joyful community that strives to live and love like Jesus. So we're just exploring what does that mean in a, in a deeper sense? What does that mean? What does that look like? As a church, as individuals, what does it look like? To seek to be a joyful community that strives to live and love like Jesus. So last week uh, in the message, I talked a little bit about celebrity culture that we live in now, that people, uh, we just, we crave more information about celebrities. We follow them on Instagram and everything else, and we want to know more and more. And then there's just a lot of people that want to become a celebrity in one way or another. Not that they do anything significant, they just want to be a celebrity. And so they try to figure out ways to make that happen, right? And all that comes with that, the money and the power and all those kinds of things, Well, somebody, I found out this week, somebody did some kind of calculation just based on sheer numbers and such, and, and based on this, this person's calculation, there we have, each one of us in this room have a point zero zero eight six percent chance of becoming famous. Yeah, woo that's right. I mean, that's awesome, right? I mean, wow, who would take those odds on anything, right? Well, now, if you're young, sports may be your way to go, because Two uh, percent, well, a little less than two percent of NCAA Division One athletes make it in professional sports. So two percent is better than this, right? But it's about the same for high schoolers who want to get into a Division One school. So all those millions of high schoolers, about 
less than 2% make it to the NCAA Division One. Less than 2% of them make it onto professional sports. That's better than the 0.0086%, but still pretty rough, right? The first century world was, of course, very, very different than ours. I mean, there were people who were well-known, people who were famous. Many of them, of course, would have been uh, uh, royalty or people high up in government. Uh, Sure, they had their entertainers as well, and there were people who were well-known. But really, no one else in the society had any sense that they, too, could someday become famous. I'm sure they didn't have the phrase, your 15 minutes of fame. I'm sure that was not a thing back in the day. So, so for the people that Paul is writing the letter to, part of, their, part of their decision-making, part of their aspiration then, is about who are we to be as a people? Who are we to be as a people? And they chose to try to live in the way of Christ. The way. So today's passage is a, is a well-known passage. Uh, it's uh, this, this passage from Philippians, the, the verses 5 through 11 are often read uh, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, the Sunday before Holy Week, which is important because verses 5 through 11 have to do with the character of Jesus, the, the qualities of Jesus, the motivations of Jesus, the obedience of Jesus. And so it, it describes that, and that's an important thing to read on the Sunday before his betrayal and arrest and crucifixion and then resurrection. Paul, though, has some things to say before that. And today our reading started before that. Because what Paul is talking about, leading into that, that description of Christ, is he's, he's leading into that to say that uh, this is about Christian living. And Christ is our example. As a matter of fact, verses 5 through 11 is believed to have been a hymn that was recited or sung in worship in the first century. You know, if we, if we in our, in our uh, celebration service, uh, and you've been to traditional church services where you sing songs, you sing hymns about God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Sing about Jesus. Crown him with many crowns. We have these hymns, these songs about God, about Jesus. Well, this was true in the first century too, and that is a Christ hymn that he quotes. So it's important to kind of understand what leads up to it. If that's going to be our example, what is it that leads up to it uh, in terms of our Christian living? So, we're going to to walk through it real quick. So, uh, it starts off, therefore. You've heard me say many times, if you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for. You need to understand, because you can't just start there and move on. You've got to understand. So, so really, this section of the letter begins back in chapter 1, verse 27. That was our text last week. We read, first, we read that's a whole different book. We read Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. In that, remember we talked about how Paul is getting at authenticity. You know, the idea that, that people would see you and think, wow, that, that person lives a Christian life. They seem to follow Jesus. And that what, what they see is, really is what they get. Authenticity. So with that in mind, we move into this section. Therefore, 
If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the Spirit, any sympathy. Interesting that he starts with the word if. Is Paul casting doubt on that? I mean, sometimes we use the word if in that sense, right? Sometimes we use it in a very different sense. I mean, sometimes we use it more as a rhetorical kind of thing. Like, well, if you want me to go to the grocery store, I'm just telling you, I'm going to come home with ice cream, right? It's not saying... I, it's not saying I'm not sure if you want me to go to the store. I know you want me to go to the store. And all I'm saying is, <laughs> I'll come home with ice cream. That's what I do. That's how I roll. So, so if is more of, I know this is true. And this is one of those places where instead of the word if, you might think of the word since, S-I-N-C-E. That Paul would be saying, since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is comfort and love, since there is sharing in the Spirit. He's saying to the congregation, I know these things are already present with you. You already have these things. You already exhibit these things in your life. So, verse 2, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. Well, let me see. Thinking the same way and agreeing with each other. I'm just going to toss out a controversial topic, and let's see who all agrees with each other. Not really. I'm, not, I'm really not going to do that. Don't worry. That'd be a little too dangerous, I think. Because we, none of us agree on everything. None of us think alike on everything. So what exactly does he mean? Well, we've got to realize he's, he's bookending something here, right? Let's not lose sight of the things that are in, in between where he says, sure, thinking the same way, but having the same love. Being united. Those are the things that he bookends. So it's not that we're going to just agree on every, every social matter in the world, every political party. No, no, no. But that we agree and we are united. That we seek to be a joyful community that strives to live in love like Jesus. That we, we are united around that. In spite of our differences. Maybe our differences make that more, even more profound and important. So verse 3, do, don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Now, I've, I have heard Christians quote this to, in a sense, justify their really uh, unfortunate self-image. That they're, they're lowly, they're a failure, they're terrible. They're, uh, and so, well, it says I'm supposed to see others as more important than me. I'm supposed to think of other people's needs as more important than mine. Okay, well, that's not what Paul's saying. That's not what Paul's saying. All right, I mean, we believe God created us all. We believe that Christ died for us all. It's, it's not that you're, anyone is unimportant. But it's saying to have a different kind of thinking about the people around you. So, and that really comes out in verse 5, where he says, Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. The attitude, the perspective, the mentality, the way he, you think about other people, the way you think about your own actions and motivations. Have the mind of Christ. And then he quotes the hymn. That's when he goes into how, how Jesus humbled himself, taking the form of a human and being obedient to 
God's will, even obedience to death. That Jesus, of all humans ever on earth, could have claimed he was pretty special, and we ought to acknowledge that. He set that aside to serve in a way that was for the better, for the good, for the salvation of us all. That's the example of the Christian life that Paul is trying to get at. So, what we see are two, there's like, there's twin values uh, lifted up here. One of them is unity. I talked about that just a moment ago. Unity, this idea that, that we're uh, united together. I mean, you and I know of churches, know of situations where uh, it was demanded of all church members that you agree on certain things. There's some places where you've got to sign on the dotted line that you are for or against, whatever it is. And if you don't agree with the church, you might as well go somewhere else. Well, that's, that's not exactly what Paul's getting at. That's not what we're, what we're looking at. Unity is about even though we will see some things differently, we stand together in our efforts to live the Christian life. We stand together to serve shoulder to shoulder as we try to help make things better for someone else. That's what we do. So unity is one of the values. Of that. Another, another one is humility. I mean, that's, that's when he's getting at, you know, think of others' needs before your own. Humility. That I'm, I'm not more important than somebody else. doesn't matter who you are. You're not more important than another human. Maybe famous, not more important. Pretty much the opposite of celebrity culture. So, the best practice, the way to live this out is to serve others together. Serve others together. So let me back up just a minute to what I talked about in the, in the first week. I talked about, uh, I, was, I was talking, uh, I, made, I just made a statement. I made a statement that churches don't exist to make members. Churches exist to make disciples. Now, it's really important that we understand that because it, it's not that we're just we're here to make members of the church so that we, all, we can all just pay attention to the church. We're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. So that we then, as we make disciples, also go out to make disciples of others. Now, membership's important. Don't get me wrong. I, we, we have membership in the church. We talk about membership. We lift it up as a, as a high value because it's, it's an act of commitment and dedication to say, I'm I'm in. I'm committing to this. But what you're committing to is a life of discipleship. You're committing to a life of discipleship and that I will uh, certainly stand shoulder to shoulder with the church as we do the work of Christ in the world. And so the role of the church is to create opportunities, provide the resources to say, here's things we can do together to make a difference. So, being a disciple, uh, I mean, that just means follower of Jesus. You're someone who says, I'm going, I work to align my life with the teaching and example of Jesus. So to be a disciple, there are practices, things that help us to learn, to grow, to be more faithful, to be growing, all those things. So here's a starting point of some practices. Prayer. Regular prayer. That's an important practice for us to learn and grow in our relationship with God. Presence. Now, I don't mean like Christmas gifts. I mean presence like showing up. I'm going to be there in worship. 
Whether it's in the room or online, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there to serve. I'm going to be there to help, to support gifts, giving. Yes, that's an act of worship that has been an act of worship for a long, long time. Giving to the work, to God's work through a church. Developing, cultivating generosity. Service, serving others in one way or another. And witness, letting others know of my faith in Christ Inviting them to be a part of this journey together. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. You may recognize those as the, as the membership vow. Because what we do as United Methodists is that we say this, these are things that are important. Not the only things, but these are things that are important. That are not just about membership, it's about you living in the way of Jesus. So in uh, uh, a different, different church, different place... Uh, we were getting ready to leave to go on uh, uh, a serving effort uh, that was out of town. We were going to be traveling to go to this place and do this, this serving effort. And before we left, one of, the, one of the guys was chatting with me, and he was just one of those kind of guys that loved to pose you know, philosophical questions. You know? So we were just chatting, and he just said, You know, do you ever wonder if people who go on trips like this are doing it to really make a positive difference for somebody else? Or are they doing it just so they feel better about themselves? That's, that's an interesting question, isn't it? We do those things in lot, for a lot of different motivations, and I told him, I said, well, my guess is we all are it's kind of all over the spectrum of why we do these things. Many years ago, I did a, I did a message series titled be the change you know that's uh part of that quote from mahatma gandhi be the change that you want to see in the world and so i was kind of taking that idea and what it meant as a christian how do we be the change of christ in the world and so i was always looking for good resources and i found a book named be the change and i thought that's well that's awesome and what was even better was it wasn't some kind of theoretical thing it was a it was a compilation of people who had decided, I need to do something for somebody else. I need to serve more. And so they did that, and they told their story. Now, it was not a Christian book. It was a secular book, but still, these were people deciding to get out of my shell, outside my comfort zone, do something for the good of humanity, and, and tell my story. I thought, that's perfect. So I, I get the book, and I read, and it's just story after story after story of people saying, yes, this is, this is the thing that I did, and, and in a sense, I feel so much better about myself now. I feel peace. I have a happy heart. I have a... And I mean, I read about half the book, and still there was no one that said, what I'm so happy is that that place, or that person, or that situation, now has a better outcome. They were all happy that they felt better. What Paul is getting at in this passage is that that's not the way of Christ. It's about doing for others for their good and their benefit. So our church, the role of our church is create environment, provide the opportunities. We have opportunities for serving in lots of different ways. Bed Start happens every month where we deliver furniture. We have the recent and future uh, trip to the border uh, for humanitarian relief for the asylum seekers. We had uh, take meals for people uh, in Family Promise uh, going through that effort in Operacion Abrigo in uh, Juarez, Mexico. Uh, we've served there for a number of years. We look forward to doing that in the future. 
But I know there's people that hear that and they say, well, I don't have the time, the money, or the physical capacity to do that. that that's valid. Even serving in, in, within the church, being on a hospitality team, children's ministry, student ministries, um, uh, singing in the choir at the, at the 945 service, uh, care ministries, all of those, you're, you're going to feel good by doing those things. But really the point of those is that the people in you engage have a better experience. That they feel so welcomed when they walk in the door of the church that they are really ready to come together for worship. They're really ready to serve, to whatever it is. You do those things so that others have a better experience. And sure, you're going to feel great about it, but that's the byproduct. All right? And, I, and, and I'm aware, and there's always also those who can't, for a variety of reasons, valid reasons, they can't do those things. Well, certainly prayer is always a good way to serve. Offering encouragement in whatever way it is. I, you know, I, I found out, uh, this was after my dad died, I found out that he would often reach out to people in the church. My dad was a layperson, he was not a preacher. He'd reach out to people in the church and just say, hey, thanks for making sure that happened. Hey, thanks for leading that effort. I just wanted to say that, you know, when we talked the other day, it really meant a lot that you asked about that. He just encouraged people. My dad was not a leader at all, <laughs> but he could write notes and make phone calls. That was a huge way to serve, I learned <laughs> later on. Offering encouragement is important. So there are all kinds of ways for us to serve, to help others. So serving together with humility means to serve with the intent that the people you're serving have a better life, have a better circumstance, a better experience, whatever that is. See, I think that's what Paul was getting at when he said to consider others more important than yourself. I'm not here just for my experience. I'm here so that others have a good experience. That's a different view of serving than a lot of folks think. So it's, it's been, uh, it's, gosh, it's almost five years since I learned I was going to become the pastor of this church. Um, I moved that summer of 2017, so it was about March, when I found out I was coming here. And so I was excited about that. I go straight to the website. You know, that's, what, that's what we do, of course, you know. That's the one that says, let's go eat somewhere. Let me look at the website. So, we, you know, so I'm looking at the website. I wanted to see what I could find out about the church just at a glance. And one of the things that was very clear was the serving ministry aspect of this church. A robust serving ministry. Locally and internationally. Everything in between. And it seemed to have a lot of people involved. A lot of energy around that. And I thought that was awesome. Of all the kinds of things that... A, that I mean, of all the things I could think a church might have... That was the one that I thought that's the greatest, that there's a strong serving ministry there. And I loved that it was called serving ministry. So many churches call it missions ministry. But we tend to think of missions as, oh, that's, that's off somewhere else. I'll write a check and send. But serving is, that's all of us. All of us can serve. All of us are called to serve. So I, just, I got really excited about that. And so this church has had a, a robust serving ministry for a number of years and I know the pandemic has changed a lot of that for a lot of reasons. Uh, some people don't, still don't feel comfortable being around large groups of people. That's, that's understandable. 
some of the things that we used to do, we can't do anymore. Some of the organizations say, hey, we're not letting groups in anymore. You can't do that trip to go drill a water well. We're not doing that. So we've had a lot of changes. And that's, that's been hard. Because needs are still there. Needs are still there. So I think, so I think part of the challenge of serving in, in our day and time now is not necessarily to rely on the church or any organization to say, here's how you serve. But for us to own that to the extent that as we live our life and we encounter people at work and in the neighborhood and in the store and at the game and wherever it is, as we encounter people, we become aware of of a situation, hey, I could help you carry that. That's frustrating to spill that, let me help you. Just help, just be aware of that. And how can I serve in my daily life outside the walls of the church? Yes, there are going to be times that the church says, hey, here's, here's an effort. We all need to, let's come together and do this. Yes, we're going to, those are going to happen, absolutely. But since it is different now, for you to think, how could I in my life serve in such a way that reflects the humility of Christ and the love of Christ to others. So that whether we're gathered, working together shoulder to shoulder, or we're dispersed into our daily lives through the week, we will be a joyful community that lives and loves like Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, the, the gifts and abilities, experiences that you've given us to be able to serve. Because the truth is, we've been served many, many times. Sometimes we've acknowledged that, and sometimes we really haven't. So help us to have a spirit of a servant. Someone who's always looking around thinking, is there, is there somebody I can help? Is there, is there some situation that I might could help make better for somebody? God, give us that spirit of servanthood that Jesus had, that Jesus reflected in his life, death, and resurrection. I pray, God, that you will give us the eyes to see those opportunities. Give us the courage to act on those. And as we do so, we will thank you for that opportunity. And we will point to your love for us that motivated us to help and serve others. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.